The Final Dump, presented by Game on Wisconsin, is brought to you by Artec Ventures. The goal at Artec Ventures is to collaborate closely with founders throughout all the investment and fundraising stages, turning their visions into successful companies. Since 2020, Artec Ventures has helped turn great ideas into profitable businesses that make an impact on industries, communities, and beyond. Visit ArtecVentures.com for more info. <laughs> News dump. News dump, yay! News dump. I mean, that's kind of a loaded question. It's a landslide! It's the final dump, presented by Game On Wisconsin. The Week 9 edition of the final dump is here, presented by Game On Wisconsin. Brendan Dworzynski and Matt Fralick with you. And I don't think I am out of line saying this, Matt. This week... Leading into Chiefs-Packers, one of the most highly anticipated games, not just of the Packers season, but of the NFL calendar. We obviously were going to talk all about it. So many talking points. We thought we were going to get Rodgers-Mahomes and two teams in different directions who both have Super Bowl goals. And then the you-know-what hit the fan in the middle of the week, and the narrative has changed not even a complete 180. I don't even know if you can put this on a protracted scale at this point. I'm still excited for Sunday because it's going to be fun. I'm going to be at Arrowhead Stadium for the game, but there's no denying that the vibe and the feeling around this game and frankly this team right now feels a whole lot different at the end of the week than it did at the start of the week. 100%. It's been a just a roller coaster and we've talked about this and like every single week I feel like there's just something new the Packers are dealing with whether it's key injuries, whether it's, you know, Last week we had Devonte and Joe Barry out with COVID. Now it's the the head of the franchise for the last seventeen years, Aaron Rodgers. Like it's just a roller coaster, and it kind of was even like we're the Chiefs. The Chiefs are playing super super underwhelming ball. Almost lost to the Giants on Monday night. It's just a it's a really just strange year for the Packers, and it didn't seem like it was going to come that way, but it's been like that for a couple of months. And you got to, I mean, can you imagine if there was like a primetime game or SNF or Monday Night Football had like so much production around this and they don't get this matchup they've wanted for years? I have a friend that works at State Farm. He said there was like all this marketing and media stuff that went out for them and like what they were going to be doing. He like sent us an email. He's in our fantasy league. Shout out to Matt Stroik. And like, it's just hilarious. Like, it's just, it's now it's just like a normal game and like kind of the storyline is completely on the Packers side. It's Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers immunization. Let's get right into that because we're going to talk plenty about this game coming up throughout the duration of the show. Obviously, we'll get to the matchups. We'll talk plenty of Chiefs, too, because the Chiefs, unbelievably to many, are 4-4. Four and four. Like you mentioned, Matt, they barely beat the godforsaken Giants. They got rompadomped the week before by the Tennessee Titans. We'll get to that. We'll get to some matchups. We'll talk the running backs. Packers busy on the transaction wire, understandably so, over the course of the week. But let's start with... Aaron Rodgers and the positive COVID announcement. And I can tell you, I had helped out with a class that a friend of mine was teaching at the University of Kansas. And I was leaving, I was walking back to my home and I opened Twitter and I see this tweet that Aaron Rodgers has COVID and is out for the week. And I thought, well, hold on. Now I was pretty sure he's vaccinated. In fact, I know he is. He said he was, didn't he? So how could he for certain be out? He could have two negative tests. We just went through the same thing with Devontae Adams a week ago. Then, obviously, that snowball turned into a massive cataclysmic event tumbling down the hill quickly. The hot takes were flying, the anger, the sadness from some people, the 
we support you like we support Kyrie kind of people were coming out of the woodwork talking about it. I mean, it's just been a crazy week and we have found out a lot about Aaron Rodgers. We found out a lot about NFL protocols for COVID and how much people actually pay attention to them around the league and within the Green Bay facility as well. What was your initial reaction and with a little time to reflect on it, how are you feeling now? Because I know initially I was feeling pretty pissed off, frankly, and not even the fact that it's vaccine versus unvaccinated. I mean, that gets into a whole Mm -hmm. mess of whatever that frankly is not really worth our time at this point in American history. But the fact that the NFL tells you do this or you are at a competitive disadvantage. And then the most important person in the whole franchise puts your team at a competitive disadvantage. I don't know how as a stakeholder in the team, just in terms of fandom or emotions or whatever, you couldn't be at least somewhat upset, but I also feel like I've sort of changed what kind of upset I am over time. What was your initial reaction and how has that kind of morphed over these last couple of days when it comes to 12? So my initial reaction is, you know, I'm on Twitter pretty consistently throughout the day. I have a job where I can sit at the computer and part of my job is social media. So I'm on it quite often. And when I saw the news break, I was like, you know, that sucks. Maybe there's a glimpse of hope he plays this week because in my head, I just assumed he was vaccinated. I didn't, I don't remember that immunization clip. Anyone that says they did remember it is kind of, you know, I think lying. There was a lot of beat reporters, a couple just local um, sports reporters around Green Bay that said they remember a clip or him saying something about that. So obviously it started making the rounds. Friend of Packaday podcast, Chancellor Johnson had tweeted it out. I think it was from like August 26th. And, you know, you feel duped a little bit, but at the end of the day, you got to remember Aaron Rodgers is generally the smartest person in any room, or at least he tries to portray himself like that. And he knew what he was doing at the time. Like if you really want to get into semantics, he knew exactly what he was doing, the way he went about it. I do, you know, we, you and I do this, or at least I do this, I should say, not you. You actually have a full-time job in the media, Brendan. I, I do this as a recreational thing, but I do kind of look at it as something where it's like, you know, if you guys, and that being all these people across, you know, in the press conference of Lambeau Field, you kind of should have done your due diligence and had a better follow-up question. I saw Jason Wilde on Twitter kind of raise his hand and say, hey, I screwed up. I kind of let some people down here. I don't know if that was tongue-in-cheek or whatnot, but I think he, I think he kind of meant it. I don't know Jason well enough to know, but the fact that you didn't follow up with them or anyone followed up with that question is kind of, it's kind of silly to me. Like, why is he getting a pass on this? And you kind of maybe parlay this with all of the, the, the situations going on in the off season. He was just getting back into the uh, confines of Lambeau field and maybe team, the team and the, the reporters weren't comfortable asking him these situations. And we were still getting past all the drama. Um, I can only imagine this didn't help anything behind closed doors this off season when he's, you know, getting alternative medicine from Canada that isn't approved by the NFL. Um, say what you want about what he did, but it wasn't approved by his employer. And your employer says you need to do this. You either quit your job and you do this. And if you don't do this, well, these are the ramifications behind it. And we saw a prime example of this last week, like the way it shook out with, you know, a couple guys on the team with the receiver room. Like it's, you, you have to understand the, the circumstances you're in. And for us as for us not to know as Packer fans, like that he wasn't vaxxed, I don't think it's a big deal. Like it is kind of his business, but at the end of the day, like Aaron Rodgers wants to be treated differently, right? Like he wants to be one of those 10 people in the NFL that gets to say on certain things. So when you, you want to be treated differently, but you also don't want, you know, your, your vaccine status to be out there too. It's like, you're kind of picking and choosing what you allow you know, your, your weight to be thrown around with now, do it, do we, are we entitled to knowing this? Like, are we entitled to knowing 
his allegiance if he's a quick trip guy or a BP guy or what type of jeans he likes or if he's, you know, boxers or briefs. No, but it's like at the end of the day, like if it's going to impact the team in the bottom line, I think there, there should be some knowledge behind that. And, you know, I do put some blame on the beat report because I think they should have better follow up. They should have made him explain himself more and they didn't. I don't know why. It's kind of like they gave him just that pass. But people that are mad at Aaron Rodgers, I'm not mad at him. He's he knows he's articulate. He knows what words he's going to use. He's no idiot. I'm sure. Either the Green Bay Packers PR team had coached him on what to say. Either he had coached himself on what to say, um, you know, on some sort of journey he was on the last couple months in the offseason, or his even internal team coached him on what he was going to say when he was asked that. And it worked. People bypassed it, and he got away with it for, you know, two months. And now the, he's, he's got to reap the, you know, the consequences. Silver lining, even if he tested, you know, even if, as we know, Vax or not vax, you can still get COVID. It's still a chance that happens. Even if he would have actually been up to the code of the NFL with his vaccine, he still would have been out this week anyways because he'd have to produce two positive or two false tests. Um, odds of that happening when it comes out on Wednesday to get him to travel to a game to play Sunday, pretty, pretty tough. Uh, anyone that comes up with the uh, whole, uh, well, he's not going to travel with the team, you have to take a private jet. Yeah, they'll figure that shit out. That's not that big of a deal. I think that's a, that's a weak, weak argument. I heard that a couple times already in the last couple of weeks, just about other players. So at the end of the day, like he would have been out this week anyways, testing positive for COVID. It's the shake of the dice that has happened in the NFL. It hasn't happened as much as we saw last year. But it is scary to think that the Packers could have been in the same situation as the Denver Broncos were last year, having to put their wide receiver at quarterback. Luckily, they got Jordan Love. We can see what Love looks like. But at the end of the day, do I feel, you know, do I am I upset in any way by Aaron Rodgers? No. He, he's smart. We, they should have dug more into it. We all should have questioned it more. But at, at the time, I think we were all a little starstruck that he was back in the building. I don't know how many press conferences he was in at that time on uh, August 26, but not enough for us to really understand maybe again who Aaron Rodgers was and how he carries himself. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. And I don't mean to, you know, you mentioned I've got a professional job in the media mm-hmm. and know a lot of people who are beat writers, not necessarily in Green Bay, but that was a dereliction of duty on yeah. that part. I mean, you're job. I can I can tell you this. As a semi-recent journalism school graduate, you need to follow up on those things. And I just don't really buy that no one at least had been tipped off by this. And I'm also with you. Maybe I'm being overly cynical, overly pessimistic that no one in that press corps had any sort of inkling that this was going on and wasn't willing to bring it up. I mean, that seems not super realistic to me. Mm-hmm. And then you also get into the weeds with, well, were the Packers breaking protocol because you have the situation where the other unvaxxed players on the team, they've been doing their weekly media sessions on Zoom. You know, Alan Lazard, when he would talk to the media, he would do it on Zoom or whoever else. Or when they would talk to Devondre Campbell behind the scenes, someone shared a clip of this on Twitter on Wednesday. He had a mask on. And so, okay, well, you know, and whatever. But Aaron Rodgers, every week, without a mask, was doing his press conference in person in the room. And I just, I find it hard to believe that we got to this point. And you're right, Aaron Rodgers thinks he deserves that kind of special treatment. And not just in regard to, I want to have input on guys we cut during training camp or midseason additions, which we remember was the prevailing story when he returned from his offseason hiatus, if you will call it that. But he clearly thinks he deserves some other kind of special treatment. And the Packers apparently decided to acquiesce as well. And I think, too, I just want to add on, you mentioned that he is an intelligent guy, and I really do believe he is. And whatever you think about his decision to not get vaccinated or try to get immunized with some sort of homeopathic procedure or whatever, 
I think the number one thing that comes to my mind when it comes to Aaron Rodgers' mentality, he's very calculated. He is a very calculated person who loves to control the narrative. I mean, that's always kind of been the story with him. And I don't know if that has to do with just who he's always been his entire life or if that has to do with his NFL career and just always having that chip on your shoulder. But I mean, you look back over the course of his career, not even just in recent years, you know, you'd think of the Pat McAfee show and the fact that he goes on every week and it's extremely entertaining. And Pat and the guys are great at getting good information out of their guests, not just Aaron Rodgers, but everyone else they have. But that is an opportunity for him to really be freeform. He doesn't have to censor himself in any way. He doesn't have to worry that any of his quotes or comments are going to be taken out of context. That is something that I'm sure really appeals to him and why he is a little bit more reserved during press conferences, for example, say for the one he made when he returned to training camp this mm-hmm. year. But you mm-hmm. go back even further than that. Do you remember a handful of years ago when there was that story that came out that every interview he does, he personally records to make sure things don't then later get taken out of context? I remember, no. I, I can't no, remember if that was... That's wild. I don't doubt or, that, Yeah, 16 or 17, somewhere in there. I remember that story coming out. There was the infamous 60 Minutes interview and profile about him many years ago now where there were rumors he was really pissed off about talk about his height and that he was sensitive about that. I think he is a smart guy, but I think he also is very much a I'm going to control the story guy. And I think that's where you get into the trying to hide it and be careful and petition the NFL to let his alternative medicine treatment be counted as an immunization or as a vaccination. So I I was mad at first. I'm not going to lie. I got emotional. I thought, dude, you're you're letting the team down and more importantly and more selfishly, you're letting us down. We're the people who care. We're the ones who have cared our whole lives. Fans are always going to care more than the players are because you have done it your whole life or for a long portion of your life or whatever. But as time has gone on, I've said, you know what? It is what it is. It's not going to change. No matter how emotional I get about it, this is the situation. And our favorite football team is going to have a different approach this week. And that means Jordan Love. And you mentioned that you don't want to end up in a Denver Broncos 2020 situation where, hey, Kendall Hinton, your practice squad wide receiver, is now your quarterback. I mean, shoot, if worst came to worst, I guess Randall Cobb is the quarterback on Sunday. I guess that's the situation. The Packers added Blake Bortles to the practice squad this week. They're going to elevate him on game day since both Kurt Benkert and obviously Aaron Rodgers are out because of COVID. Bortles was in camp or at least at OTAs for a cup of coffee, so he's got some level of familiarity with least a couple pages of the playbook, I would have to assume, or at least a couple basic concepts. Hopefully, it doesn't matter. Hopefully, J-Lo plays the entire game. So that comes to the expectations part of the discussion. What do you expect from Jordan Love, who has played, what, a game and a half of preseason football, seven attempted throws in the NFL in the most meaningless garbage time of all time in week one of this season, didn't play at all preseason or otherwise, there was no preseason last year, in the 2020 season, what can you expect from this guy in his first real appearance? I'll be honest, man. My expectations are I'm tapering them quite a bit. I, I'm not overly confident in love. Real game action. Haven't seen a lot from, like you said, an important game on the road game in Arrowhead. Nasty environment. It's say what you want about the, the Chiefs defense. It's still an NFL defense. They still can get after him. They got playmakers on either side of the ball. Chris Jones, when healthy, is solid. Tyron Matthews, an absolute baller. Willie Gay made a good, nice play at Monday Night Football. You know, some speed, but like overall, they're not that good of a defense. I don't, I don't think that matters though. I think, I think Love's still going to struggle. I think he's still going to have some issues, probably going through progressions, making some reads. 
granted, it'll be nice that Devonte Adams is back. Unfortunately, MVS is not there, so he's or Tunyon. Um, so that's that's going to be a situation that he's going to struggle with. But I think the best thing for Jordan Love and the Packers to have a successful game. Obviously, the Packers is a W. Love's stat line might look successful, but they could have some success if they establish this run game. And that's what they have predominantly done the last month is shown that we can run the snot out of the ball. They showed that extremely, extremely well against the Cardinals. That was super impressive game where they were able to another high five, you know, high profile offense was stifled by the Packers and they eliminated a number of drives. They controlled the ball. They they kept the ball out of Kyler Murray's hands. I expect them to try to have that same formula when they go into Kansas City to do the same thing with Patrick Mahomes. Say you say what do you want about his success? Say what you want about you know that entire team right now, how they're underperforming this and that, and post I guess runner up uh, Super Bowl hangover. I think that's that is a true thing. But I think at this point we talked before we're recording. Like I said, Brendan before they beat the Giants last week, did they lose like three in a row? You're like, no, they lost one game and they had a close, you know, they got blown out by the Titans and they snuck one off by the, the Washington football team. It's like, dude, you would, you would have thought they lost all the games in October. So I think at the end of the day, this is still a, a good football team in the Chiefs. They, they, like I said, they won the AFC last year. Back to Jordan Love, I think he's going to struggle. End of the day, I think that's just, that's going to happen. I would imagine they're going to, you know, they're going to throw a couple wrinkles at him. He's going to have to make some quick reads. Granted, the, the pass rush isn't all that great for the Chiefs. Frank Clark mentioned him. He's a baller when when he's when he actually wants to play. I know you're not a big fan of him either. So it's like at the end of the day, I think they're gonna have to rely on the run game. Hopefully he can get the ball into 17's hands pretty quick. I don't think there's a you know a corner that can really slow down Adams that much, let alone the entire league. But I think I think Love's gonna struggle. Um, but it's gonna be fun, man. Like we get the fact that we actually get to see him play in a meaningful game is pretty incredible. Like it's it's a little sample size. We got to see this with Aaron Rodgers back in the day versus the Cowboys and a couple other games. I want to say he went in some garbage time against the Ravens at one point. So it's like it's going to be some fun. But um, I think my expectation is pretty tapered. Yeah, and it's a great point that it's just going to be fun. I mean, you're all of a sudden going into this game. It's not quite a free money, not quite house money in this game, but you have no idea what to expect because I don't know if he's going to come out and all of a sudden light the world on fire or if he's frankly going to suck. I have no idea, but I'm excited again, personally, being there and I was hoping I could say I was at the one meeting between Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. Okay, well, now I'll be at the start of the Jordan Love era for better or for worse. I think the thing that's going to help Jordan is the fact that most of the offense is going to be there, and most of the offense is extremely talented. You mentioned the running backs, and they're going to be the focal point in this game. I mean, between Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, they should have a combined, what, 40 touches in this game? And I don't think that's that much of an overreaction. I mean, you're going to use Aaron Jones in the passing game quite a bit. A.J. Dillon is an underrated pass catcher, and obviously running between the tackles, he's phenomenal. Now, the Chiefs have made some adjustments on their defensive line. They started the year... Moving Chris Jones, who I think is the second best defensive tackle in the game, not including Kenny Clark as a nose, but 4-3 defensive tackle after Aaron Donald, Mm -hmm. that's where I would put Chris Jones. Well, they inexplicably moved him to edge and signed Jaron Reed, who has been awful. And again, for those who may not have listened before, I cover the Chiefs for work as a radio host in Topeka, Kansas. 90% of my job is talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. Jaron Reed has been absolute cheeks this season, so he's now fallen out of favor. They're starting to move Jones more back inside, and they just traded for Melvin Ingram from the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Now, I don't know if he's actually going to play. They also had a chance to sign him in the offseason and didn't, and then had to give up a pick to get him. So not a great move by the Kansas City front office, but they have worked to improve that defensive line. But if the Packers offensive line plays as well as it has over the balance of the season, and if David Bakhtiari is back, we have no idea. We haven't heard if he is actually going to return for this game yet. If he does, well, hell yes. If not, I still trust this offensive line can do pretty darn well against an underachieving Chiefs defensive front. But it's all going to be about those running backs. They are going to be obviously massively important. You mentioned we haven't heard anything about MVS either. Have no idea if he's going to be good to go. If he is there, that does add an interesting element because as we've talked before, that's always the deep threat. That even if he's having problems with his hands, even if he's only getting a target or two a game, there's always that threat that Rodgers could unleash the deep ball to him. Well, we know Jordan Love has an arm, and we saw for the good moments he had in the preseason, the average moments he had, he also had a decision or two bombing the ball deep that was pretty awful, that he really Mm -hmm. should not have thrown. He's going to be willing to take a deep shot, I would have to assume. So you throw MVS in there, that's just another element that a bad Kansas City secondary outside of the Honey Badger tired Matthew that they'll have to deal with. I do want to bring up this point about Devontae Adams. The Packers are so much better with him on the field. I don't think there's any denying. I know they're 7-0 without him in recent years. I get that, but he's the best receiver in the NFL. You want him on the field. So much of the reason why he and Aaron Rodgers are so unstoppable on the field together, they just have that sixth sense that the elite quarterback-wide receiver pairings have. You think Peyton Manning had that with a couple of different guys. You think of you know Montana and Rice, these guys that just have that special connection that you can't really describe. They just know, okay, we're running this route, and Devontae is going to be right in this exact spot, or I know Aaron's going to throw this ball in this exact spot. Jordan Love does not have that with Devontae Adams. Do we have proof that Jordan Love has ever thrown a pass to Devontae Adams? Because Jordan's always been with the twos pretty much, and Devontae's always been with the ones. And when Jordan Love was technically with the ones in the preseason, none of the real ones were even playing. It's not like he was thrown to Devontae Adams in the preseason games. Devontae wasn't going anywhere close to in between the lines. So I don't know what their relationship is going to be like. I would almost think that some of the ways you get Devontae involved here is more of the short stuff, slants, wide receiver screens, things like that. I don't think you're going to get some of those nasty downfield double move type routes from Adams because I don't know for sure that that connection's there. So as important as it is to get Devontae back, I'm not sold, Matt, that Love is going to have that immediate connection with him, like maybe he would develop with one of the other guys he's more likely to have thrown to before. You got to think he's thrown to him a little bit. I mean, obviously, there's, uh, you know, I, for the my memory, there's no possible way they've completed a pass together in a preseason game or a regular season game. But it's like they had to have, they have to have some chemistry. It's not going to be right. It's not going to be what Rodgers and Adams have. There's just no way. It's, it's, but I think he should definitely help uh, Jordan Love take some steps. Now, is it going to be the same sort of, sluggo back shoulder you know if it's a cover two we're hitting the the whole shot or if it's a cover three we're gonna break it over the middle and hit it up over you know in between the the second level like no they're not gonna have that same type of you know feng shui if you will within this offense but I think I would imagine Devante's or at least they're gonna talk about how to like make this game easier it's right like Aaron Rodgers is still gonna be a part of this team right now not physically but at least his brain his big brain is going to be a part of talking through this offense with Hackett and the floor and love and the running game and the receivers and like how can they make this effective with Jordan Love's skill set right like what can they do to win this game so I think 
it'll be fun to see them playing together because there's a there's a chance at some point down the road that they would be a connection who who knows if that Devante's still on the team or Rodgers is together like who knows how that's going to shake down but it's it'll be fun to see that that chemistry you know something else too like there's got to be some young guys that he's been throwing the ball to more consistently like Amari Rodgers does he have a better game Randall Cobb I know he hasn't probably thrown the ball a ton to Jordan Love but he knows how to get open I think Jordan or Randall Cobb's kind of like that security blanket, at least for Aaron Rodgers. Can he at least have like maybe a little chamois cover for Jordan Love? I think there's some young receivers that they could get involved with that he's probably had some more reps with. But overall, dude, it's going to be this run game. And I, will Jordan Love take a deep shot? Yeah, definitely. Like you you saw the preseason when you talked about where he had no business throwing it. When I saw that throw, that's exactly what he did at Utah State. You, you would see him kind of off the back foot, throwing in the end zone, double, triple coverage. Like he's more than likely going to take one of those shots. And I think the only way that happens if they're down maybe two scores, uh, you know, more than probably 10 points that they're going to try to sling the ball like that. Because if he does do that when they're down one score, the way the defense has been playing and the way the Chiefs have been turning the ball over, you got to be pretty pissed off at 10. Because, like, dude, if you're going to just give the ball away when we, we have to protect the ball, we won the turnover battle last week. That's basically what won us the game let's not do that again so protect the ball you know let this offense do what it's got to do and again stick to the same formula they had last week it should be very very similar in my opinion of what the the formula is to to beat the Chiefs or to beat the Chiefs that it was the the Cardinals yeah and that's a great point too I mean you are limited passing wise two weeks in a row it just last week was because you had to start Jawan Winfrey this week it's because you don't have your regular starting quarterback you've got a guy who effectively is still a rookie I mean for all intents and purposes he was not active for any games last season he played a game and a half in the preseason this year and played some garbage time. Jordan Love is essentially still a rookie at this point. So it's Mm -hmm. essentially, I think, sort of the same game plan he had last week, like you mentioned there. Before we get to predictions for this game, we've got to talk at least a little bit about that Chiefs offense. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid is the mastermind behind it. They've got a lot of talent, or appears a lot of talent anyway, but they have not been especially good over the course of the season. It's been one of the headlines of this NFL season so far. Mahomes has been downright pedestrian, at least over the last handful of weeks. Tyree Kill still getting his. He's still obviously an unbelievably talented and gifted receiver. Travis Kelsey's not 100%. He's been banged up. He's got some sort of neck stinger that's been bothering him or something with his neck. And he has played nearly 4,000 snaps over the last handful of years since Patrick Mahomes took over. He is an iron horse, and he's an incredible player. I mean, best tight end in the NFL, I think. But he also is clearly showing that he's a little bit worse for wear after taking some hits this season. Defenses have decided we are going to play back, take away the deep shot, let them take the underneath stuff if they want it. Oh, and we're going to hit Travis Kelsey really hard right at the line of scrimmage. And frankly, it's worked. A really bad Giants team held them to 20 points and got a couple of takeaways. They scored a grand total of three against the Tennessee Titans a couple of weeks back. So there is a way to slow them down. And this Packers defense admittedly is way better or at least way ahead of where I would thought would have thought they were uh, going into the year. And I remember all the negative things I said about Joe Barry, but I'll be mm-hmm. damned. They have become a very solid unit at the very least. What do you make of this matchup between the Packer defense and the Chiefs offense? And you couple that with the injuries they've had on defense too. Like that's that's only even sh- – the Packers defense should be worse. The what what's you know the way I look at the Chiefs offense and please correct me if I'm wrong right now it's it's my biggest thing is like I don't think it's an offensive line problem as much it, you could maybe make that argument I know um is it Creed Williams he's having a good year like there's a couple other young guys they have right now or Creed Humphrey whatever the hell Creed Humphrey yeah 
real quick, they've got Creed Humphrey at center, who's been awesome, rookie from Oklahoma. Trey Smith is their new right guard, rookie from Tennessee. They've got another rookie who opted out for COVID last year, Lucas Niang at right tackle. And then on the left side, Orlando Brown, the former Raven and former Patriot Joe Tooney. I would, just to add on to your point here, I think, honestly, the best part of that offense might be that new offensive line. Yeah, so the offensive line, like, and I think that was maybe the argument last year is that they they were a little weak there and I know in the, the Super Bowl obviously they're missing one of the tackles and et cetera et cetera so it's like my biggest thing I see with this team is that they don't really have a consistent running game right Clyde Edwards Alaire banged up he was really never that great in my opinion after the first couple games of last year and has been just another guy in that platoon that they've had Daryl Williams is filled in all of a sudden we see the reemergence of Frank Gore re reemerging as Derek Gore everyone thought that's who it was hilarious that people thought Derek Props to Frank Gore for people still thinking he could have been in the league. But, you know, Derek Gore is getting some snaps. It's just, it's just the run game, right? Like, there's no threat of the run game. The safeties don't have to worry about getting bombed over the top as much. And I just, it, it seems like Mahomes is trying to do too much. He's just trying to throw the ball and to you know, make these crazy throws. There's like the one where he was rolling to his left last week and kind of dropped down like he was turning a double play and like whipping it around. It's like, dude, you don't have to do all that. And then like that, he's trying to get the tempo going more. And it's just like, it's just, Something seems off with the way they're running the offense. Um, and I've mentioned this a couple of times. I've used them as examples on this podcast and on Packaday. It's like, dude, they have they've been figured out a little bit. Todd Bowles put out the blueprint of how to slow down that offense. And frankly, it's it's kind of worked, but it's also that you couple that with Patrick Mahomes maybe pressing a little bit, the run game really not being consistent. And even when it is consistent, like they don't have the dual threat running back they would like in that offense. Tyreek Hill's really their only offensive weapon. Travis Kelsey is a weapon, but like you said, he's super banged up. I mean, Hardman's got a couple decent games under his belt. After that, there's really it's just it's really really tough for this team to to move the ball down the field. And when it, a lot of their offense has been predominantly on like the big play, it's just it's it's just not there anymore. So we'll see what happens. I think they have a great opportunity to put some points with this Packers defense. I think without Jair Alexander out there, Eric Stokes is going to have a hell of a time against Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey, banged up or not, I think it's going to be a tough matchup. They shouldn't have really any issue with the run game, in my opinion, but there is some speed across the board. You know, Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle is a decent player. So it's like they're going to, you're going to have to slow down the speed somehow. I don't know how they do that, but I, I, I think this offense, if you want to talk about a get right game, this could be a good scenario for the Chiefs to get right, uh, assuming they can get the ball out of the Packers' hands because that is the formula, like I said. You're spot on about why other teams have been able to catch up, or at least maybe the better phrasing is slow down this Chiefs offensive attack. And it's really nothing all that challenging. I mean, they're essentially running early 2000s defenses. They're playing two high shell split safeties. They're giving the short stuff in the middle of the field open. And they're saying, okay, Patrick Mahomes, fine. Throw a four-yard pass to Tyree Kill with three dudes on top of him right away. He'll get his 12 catches like he did against the Giants, but we're not going to let him beat us deep. And the Chiefs' offense is predicated on always having that option to go deep. And when that's not there, Mahomes has been panicking. He's been making some bad decisions. Now, a handful of his interceptions have been fluky, to say the least. There were two in back-to-back -back weeks that hit Terry Kill in the middle of both of his hands that he dropped and were picked off. He had another one. It was a stupid throw because it did the no-look stuff to a wide-open mm -hmm. receiver across mm -hmm. his body. It was very dumb, but it hit his target in the hands, popped up into the air, and was intercepted. The one he had in the first quarter against the Giants, too, was just circus-like. But they have not adapted, and I don't know why, because Andy Reid, in my opinion, is too smart of a head coach to not adapt to that. 
and other teams have done a great job taking advantage. You also bring up some of the other wide receivers the Chiefs have, and this is where I actually like the Packers secondary. It sounds like Kevin King is on track to get back, which is good. I know there's a lot of negative opinions about Kevin King, but at some point you need some depth in the secondary. You need any amount of depth because they've essentially been playing with none the last couple of weeks. Now, hell, even Isaac Yadam is on the COVID list, which not that he was playing, thankfully, mm-hmm. very much, but you need depth out there at some point. Outside of Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, none of those guys can separate. None of them. McCole Hardman is a gadget player. He was a mm-hmm. second-round pick who they essentially have as a jet sweep-only kind of guy. I mean, he's just not a good wide receiver. He's occasionally a deep threat, and he's a gadget guy. Byron Pringle is a glue guy. He's like a short Alan Lazard, but Lazard's got the body to go make plays, even if he can't separate or isn't that fast. Pringle is that, but smaller, and he's a good run blocker as a receiver, but He's not a separator. I think Demarcus Robinson sucks. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I go on the radio constantly in Topeka and say, this dude is a bum, and I can't believe they've re-signed him three years in a row or whatever it is now. And Travis Kelsey, again, is one of the best tight ends in football, but he is not playing at 100%. So I actually kind of like the Packers' ability to slow this offense down. Frankly, do what the Giants did, and with better players up front, you should be able to hold the Chiefs to 21 or less in this game. Now, obviously, that's the optimistic view. Because as you said, this team could wake up at any given time and all of a sudden they've got a plan and they can put up a ton of points, but they're really struggling. They're turning the ball over an insane amount. They have more, five more turnovers than any other team in the league. They've got 19 and going into Thursday night football, that was five more than the next team on the list for most turnovers in the New York Jets. I mean, that's unbelievable. They've gone three games in a row where they've averaged under five yards of play. That's worse than the Lions. Like, I don't know what it's going to take for this team to wake up. I think eventually they will, but I love the fact that the Packers are catching them when they are still struggling. Now, that might come back to bite me because this might be the week, but frankly, you get a little bit more depth in the secondary. I like where this team is, and I don't really hate the matchup as long as they follow that plan that other defense have set out over the last month or so of the season. That gets us to our predictions. What's the difference maker, and what's the final score? You sound... Uh, dude, I feel like we're going to kind of split for once on this. Maybe I'm oh. wrong. I'm picking the Chiefs. Uh, I picked the Chiefs seven and a half right now. I don't think they win by that margin. So I'd like the Packers to cover in Arrowhead 24-21 Chiefs. I think I'm going to stick with that. Yeah, I just, I, I, I think, and this is my own bias that I'm going to check. And I think there's some national biases. It's like the Chiefs aren't a great football team right now. They're playing like shit. But really, dude, like they're winning games. They, they got blown up by the Titans. That's fine. Close game on prime time versus the Giants, who are really, really bad. I understand that, but I think they should be able to control this football game. I'm going 24-21 Chiefs. Difference maker, offensive speed for them. I think that's a huge thing, uh, that being the Chiefs. I think the only way the Packers can win, and I've said it time and time again, control the ball. Brendan mentioned getting the ball into the A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones' hands 40 times. They did it 31 times against the Cardinals. I think nine more isn't unrealistic, especially without Aaron Rodgers in there. So I'm going 24-21 Chiefs. Yeah, this will be our first different set of picks. That's why I'm going to go by the same margin. I'm going to pick the Packers to win this one. And the main difference to me, I don't know who's going to tackle Dillon and Jones. I really don't. Nick Bolton 
is their rookie linebacker, second round pick out of Missouri for the Chiefs. And he was named the defensive player of the week, the rookie defensive player of the week in the AFC after he had a pretty solid outing or defense player of the month, excuse me, after he had a few really solid games. And he played really well when the Chiefs faced Derrick Henry a couple weeks ago. Now they put essentially 11 guys attention on Derrick Henry and they got absolutely destroyed and disemboweled by A.J. Brown. But Nick Bolton played pretty well in that game against a couple running backs. Nick Bolton is smaller than A.J. Dillon. They are the same height. Dillon is 15 pounds heavier and is shiftier moving laterally. None of those dudes on the Chiefs defense can catch Aaron Jones. And we know that because it's almost the exact same personnel that they had defensively in 2019 when Aaron Jones had 226 yards and two touchdowns from scrimmage. I think that's going to be the difference maker. If I'm the Packers and I win the toss, give me the ball first. I think the Packers want the ball or should want the ball anyway. Run it, milk a bunch of time off the clock, force them into some bad situations, force the Chiefs to know if you do not score, your defense is not going to stop us. I think the running game can get it done, even with the questions about Jordan Love. I'm going to take the Packers 27-24. The funny thing about that, Matt, is I spent the first half of the week and even Sunday telling myself, Everything is going right for the Packers. Everything is going wrong for the Chiefs. I just know something terrible is going to happen on Sunday. It was just this <laughs> nagging feeling. And my fiance, who's going to the game with me, she said, you are panicking about this. It's going to be fine. My co-host on the radio, who's a lifelong Chiefs fan, said, dude, your team is going to win by four touchdowns. It's fine. Then the bad shit happened this week. And you know what? I all of a sudden feel better. So you know what? We are playing really well right now. The running game really is good. The offensive line, the defense is getting better. I feel good all of a sudden, despite Aaron Rodgers not being there. That's the most jaded, cynical, bass backwards thing I could possibly come up with. But I'm just excited. I'm happy I'm going to be there. And I'm hoping Packers come away with a win. It should be a fun one. Like you mentioned, this is just a marquee matchup that I think any football fan is going to be invested in. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on the call. Buckheads out there. Shout out to all of you, myself as well. I'm just looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. And frankly, this is going to say, I think, a lot about the future of this team. I think so, too. We're going to really know what you have in Jordan Love. Trade bait. Do they have to draft someone at some point? Veteran? Who knows? But it's going to be fun to pick apart Jordan Love, and it'll be definitely a distraction from everything else going around the team, and all the eyes will be on him once uh, the first kickoff. We're going to have a lot of fun with this one this weekend. You can follow both of us on Twitter for our reaction. Matt is on Twitter at Matt underscore F-R-A underscore. I'm on it as well at Brendan DZW. It should be fun. We'll be breaking it down and getting you ready for week 10 coming up next Friday. Crazy to believe we're already halfway through this NFL season. But for Matt Fralick, I'm Brendan Dworzynski. This has been the final dump presented by Game on Wisconsin. Enjoy Packers versus Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. We'll talk to you before week 10. Well, Wayne, I think this is one that Vince Lombardi and George Hallis would be proud of. You could just give me a touchdown. That is hard to overturn. You know what I mean? I understand. That was a good effort, though, wasn't it? Pretty good effort.